0: Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of April 13th, 2023, including Redfall is confirmed to run at 30 FPS on both Xbox Series S and, yes, Xbox Series X, Joseph Staten is leaving Microsoft, the Minecraft movie is now under full production as the newly released Mario movie breaks records at the box office, and more. this day in Xbox history, in the year 2010, Tom Clancy's Splinter Cell Conviction released for the Xbox 360 in the U.S. That was 13 years ago on this day. Yeah, I think this is, uh, I, I've actually, you know, I, I've admitted on the podcast, this isn't the first time I've said it, but Splinter Cell is a huge blind spot as far as notable Xbox games go. Now, while I understand Splinter Cell is a multi-platform game, obviously it has a heavy association with Xbox Um, But, yeah, I I know Conviction and Blacklist, the last two proper, I think the last two period, uh, Splinter Cell games we got were, I feel like they were divisive at the time because they were a little more like action, third person action focused and less stealthy, although they still had some form of stealth. But I feel like now that we've gone like 85 million years without a Splinter Cell game and people are just so hungry for more Splinter Cell, I feel like it's one of those things where everyone kind of likes It's kind of like what we're seeing with Resident Evil 5 and 6 right now. I feel like we're seeing actually a lot of that following the release of Resident Evil 4 Remake, where people are like, yeah, 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 now do Resident Evil 5 and 6 Remake. And it's like, if you go back 10 years ago or whatever it was, people really were... I mean, Resident Evil 5 and 6 are the best-selling Resident Evil games, so don't get twisted. But people were diehard fans, purists of the series, were a little disappointed with how Gears of War, action-packed, third-person shooter those games became, but... It's like now in, now in hindsight, a lot of people are like, oh man, yeah, remake remake Resident Evil 5 and 6. I'd love to see those games remade and brought forward to the modern consoles. So I feel like Splinter Cell, Conviction, and Blacklist have a little bit of that same energy where maybe it was controversial at the time, but at this point, everyone's just like, bring back Splinter Cell. I'll take, I'll take more of Conviction. I'll take whatever the hell you got. Just bring back Sam Fisher, for the love of God. Guys, welcome to episode 202 of the Xbox On Podcast. Thank you. Couldn't have made it here without you. Episode two hundred two. I gotta tell you, it's a massive milestone. They said two hundred, you'll never make it. I made it two hundred one. Oh, you'll be dead within a week. No, I made it to two hundred one. Two hundred two. We just keep smashing expectations, man. I mean, what's better than two hundred? I'll tell you what. Two hundred two. That's what's better. And we're here. We're sitting. We're proud. And uh, yeah, thank you. Couldn't do it without you. So happy to be here for another week to talk your ear off about sixty percent what's happening in the world of Xbox and forty percent nonsense. That's generous, if I'm uh, if I'm being honest. But, uh, guys, we do have a pretty notable release this week, hitting the Xbox. In fact, it's coming out the day I'm recording this podcast here on Wednesday. Ghostwire Tokyo, a- an unofficial uh, first-party title. Ghostwire Tokyo, uh, developed by Tango Gameworks. The guys that brought you Hi-Fi Rush and The Evil Within. Ghostwire Tokyo is uh, the second of two Bethesda-published and owned games that were uh, made exclusively PlayStation for PlayStation Five until right before the release window, the the year in which both these games released, Ghostwire Tokyo, the other being Deathloop, uh, Arcane's Deathloop. Uh, Microsoft actually went out and bought Bethesda, parent company ZeniMax, and so it was kind of weird. Those those deals ended up being honored. Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop obviously both came to PlayStation Five as console exclusives, and. Uh, who had to stay so for a full year before they could come to Xbox. So we're there. We're a little past that one-year mark on Ghostwire Tokyo. And as of today, it's finally on Xbox, meaning there are no more Bethesda-owned games that are stranded on non-Xbox hardware um, that Xbox now owns. So that's it. The The more exciting thing um, here is that now Ghostwire Tokyo is out on Xbox. You know, we, we know... What Tango Gameworks has done recently with Hi-Fi Rush, Ghostwire Tokyo. Now the next thing they do is a big question mark. Is it a Hi-Fi Rush 2? Is it a Ghostwire Tokyo 2, which I doubt? Is it Evil Within 3? Is it something entirely new? And uh you know, now we get to put them kind of in that category of like interested to see what they do next. Especially since, you know, um Shinji Mikami's leaving the studio and Hi-Fi Rush put a you know big shot in the arm of that studio and Showed that they can do a lot more than just horror, so it'll be really interesting to see what this team does. But more importantly, I guess, for the moment, let's celebrate this new game that just came to Xbox. I know it's been out on PlayStation for a little over a year now, but, you know, for most of us Xbox players, people like myself who don't really have a PS5 or play a lot of PlayStation anymore anyway, this is uh, practically a brand new game. So I'm pretty excited about this. I tried to clear up my schedule uh, to make time for this game, because I I really do want to give this game a good old try, because... I think there's something, I, I, I'll i be honest, I, I don't fully get what this game is, oh, sorry cat, cat's under the desk, uh, I, I don't fully understand what this game is still, if I'm being completely honest, it looks quasi-open world, it's got like weird kinetic ability powers, but is it more action oriented, or what kind of combat is it, I, I've honestly remained pretty quiet or, or, or on blackout mode with this game for the most part, because... I knew since, you know, well, when it was first announced, we thought it would maybe come to Playsta- or to Xbox and PlayStation. And then when it was announced that it was going to be exclusive for PS5, we shortly afterwards found out that Microsoft was buying ZeniMax. And then immediately after that, I was like, okay, this game will come to Xbox one day. I will just wait until then. And lo and behold, here we are. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty interested in what this game is. The first person, psychonetic, kind of creepy and eerie, but not necessarily horror. It takes place in Tokyo, dark, rainy, kind of, I don't know, I'm like really digging the aesthetic of this game, and it looks kind of like, unlike anything we've, uh, we really see these days, so... I'm really interested to try Ghostwire Tokyo. Really excited that I don't know much about it. Uh, But also, I guess it is worth mentioning. It's definitely worth mentioning. The game is apparently not launched in the best state on Xbox. Apparently, it does have some kind of performance issues. Although, I didn't really look into that as well either. Because, honestly, I'm reaching a point more and more every day where I just... I care so little about like kind of like the conversation, like, oh, so and so game is busted and this is broken and this doesn't work and that needs to be tweaked or fixed or updated. Cause half the time I'm like, yeah, this, this game released broken, or half the other half of the time I'm like People are bitching and moaning about absolutely nothing. I don't understand. People said this game was broken. I played the game. I experienced one flicker, one frame of of, of, of a graphical error, of a graphical glitch, and then the other 30 hours of the game, it worked just fine. So I, I, I don't care. I'm It's a Game Pass game. It's not like I have money on the line or anything. I already have the damn thing pre-installed on my Xbox. I'm just going to avoid everything I've made this far, you know, and uh, this weekend I'll give it a go. And I'm pretty excited to check it out. Be curious to know what you guys think if you're playing it this this is the kind of game that absolutely and by no means makes sense as like an Xbox first party owned title so uh, even though it is a multi platform game technically uh, it it is interesting to think that the, the minds of the people behind this game responsible for this game are now a first person uh, first person first party internally owned um, team basically through you know through be- Zenimax and Bethesda but for Xbox the next game they make is probably going to be an Xbox exclusive so it's definitely going to be, um, but I don't know, I'm just curious to kind of see what kind of team these guys, you know, Tango unfolds and becomes um, as Xbox has pretty much no foothold in Japan and no teams that make games like the games these guys make. And so, I don't know, I'm excited, I'm excited to play it, I'm excited to see where these guys go, excited what you guys think, just all around, I'm excited, okay, I peed in my pants, I'm super excited. Alright guys, before we get into the Story of Mild amusements, the kind of updates... Stories that is kind of freshen up and starting off the show, I think we should uh, we should start with these Activision updates because we got a couple, but they're not the kind of boring ones you normally think of, where it's like Microsoft uh, released a statement, Sony retorted or something. Although I guess the first one's a little bit in that wheelhouse, but we got three of these stories here, and they're all very different from one another. And uh, let's just kind of go through them just so we can be refreshed and update on where we kind of stand with this deal as of this week. First one coming from VGC. In being that Sony has criticized the CMA, the UK Competition Market Authority, for its revised appraisal of Microsoft's Activision Blizzard deal. The CMA reversal of its uh, position on its console theory. Sony said in, in, in response to this kind of reversal where the CMA is now less worried about this deal, a little more willing to accept it and probably likely to approve it in, in early May. Uh, they said the following. Quote, the CMA's reversal of the position on its consoles theory is, uh, uh sorry, of harm is surprising, unprecedented and irrational. Uh, the PlayStation company argues that the CMA has assessed a significant body of evidence to come to the initial conclusion where it had suggested that there would be an issue with the acquisition. They added that the CMA's new diametrically opposed approach is based on almost exclusively on a single economic model on which it places significantly more weight than others' available evidence. Specifically, they claim that the CMA's new findings are based on a new lifetime value model, which shows how much an average player is worth to a company over time. It says that the new model suggests Microsoft would see a significant financial loss if it kept Call of Duty exclusive to Xbox, and that therefore there was no incentive to keep it off of PlayStation's hardware. However, Sony claims the new data the CMA is using... Uh, is flawed and that there are errors that would be corrected than the gains Microsoft would get from players switching to Xbox that and that they would be 3 times as high as the lifetime value of an average PlayStation user Sony's response also claimed the following bullet points the CMA had one the CMA had previously calculated lifetime player value uh, on typical Microsoft documents created in the ordinary course of business which had been used to suggest that the strong incentive to keep players call of duty players off of PlayStation and that for its new findings, it allegedly adopts without apparent explanation, Microsoft's own adjusted lifetime value estimates, basically saying they're taking Microsoft's point of view over Sony's uh, as to how to interpret this idea of a lifetime, a lifelong value of a, of a player. Uh, the second part is that the CMA, the Sony says... The CMA's new conclusion wrongly downplays the significant strategy benefits of Microsoft adding Activision content to Game Pass. Number three, they said the CMA now concludes that not a single user with less than 10 hours of gameplay or $100 spent on COD would switch from PlayStation to Xbox something it questions. Uh, That's an important one. And then lastly, using Minecraft as an example, they said that Microsoft kept uh, multi-platform that microsoft kept multi-platform doesn't work because minecraft is a single game release that already exists in users hands that does not drive anything like the level of gameplay engagement purchasing decisions of cod okay this is kind of all fucked because let's start with the minecraft thing just because it's the last thing we said That's wrong, because under Microsoft's ownership, they brought Minecraft to Nintendo platforms where it hadn't existed already. They brought it up to PS4 where it hadn't existed. They brought it to PlayStation Vita, the dead handheld, where it hadn't existed. They brought it forward to everything, and they've always kept everything on parity. So, also, Minecraft is a game that has insane engagement, insane um, in-app purchases and transactions. I understand it doesn't have an annualized sequel strategy every year but people spend money in minecraft like fucking crazy and have done so since the inception of the game and uh they have continued to support on platforms where it hadn't existed they put it on wii u switch ps4 vita ps5 i think they showed pretty well that they are committed to other platforms with minecraft so i think that's kind of a dumb point um but on their other points that i find more interesting which is uh the game pass one not so much but the idea that The CMA now concludes not a single user with less than 10 hours of gameplay and $100 spent on COD would switch from PlayStation to to Xbox is something it questions. I'm kind of with Sony on this and I question that as well uh, in in that I I think $100 spent in-game Uh, wouldn't really deter a Call of Duty player one way or another or sway them one way or another because Call of Duty basically wipes the slate clean every 12 months and puts out a new game where your progression doesn't carry over, your cosmetics do not carry over, none of that shit matters. Kind of does in Warzone, but that's tied to your COD account, which you could easily switch to any platform. So I, I also question this, actually, I think... People could switch from one platform to another regardless of which platform they've played COD on previously and where they spent money because the fact that COD is kind of tied to your Activision account and because the fact that Call of Duty mostly just abandons everything you've unlocked for, paid for, worked hard for every 12 months when they come out with a new game anyway. So I will give PlayStation credit there, although I seriously think at the end of the day people are so integrated and ingrained and just kind of, um, kind of tied up to their platform where their eco, you know, where their profile and their history exists, that that's really the main thing, keeping people where they are. I think PlayStation is going to continue to be the strongest player because people are so ingratiated ingrained in the PlayStation ecosystem. And that alone is going to be what keeps people there. And then the last thing, and the more important thing, I guess I would kind of bring up is this idea that PlayStation and, and Xbox view this idea differently with this idea of a, a lifetime player value of, um, where I guess they don't really get into specifics too much, but they basically said that the CMA takes Microsoft's viewpoint on this idea without really considering Sony's viewpoint. Um, Here's the thing. Here's the thing I know is that this idea of like valuing a player based on the amount of time they play on your platform lifetime, I don't think Call of Duty, I think Call of Duty could absolutely drastically boost that by Microsoft could absolutely boost that by having Activision, having Call of Duty as a first-party title, as a Game Pass title, but I really don't think that this is going to affect Sony terribly much when you consider the fact that Sony has way better first-party output in terms of just consistently having you know new AAA games to play, whereas Microsoft will have 4,500 games in development at any given time and can't get a single one out the door. Um, So that, first of all, drives engagement. Second of all, PlayStation has a far bigger install base, which is going to drive overall engagement so much further. Um, PlayStation also has all the other big games that are live-service type games, the Apex Legends, the, the annualized sports titles, Minecraft, all this shit. That keeps player engagement driven, and it doesn't seem like... You know, having Minecraft on Game Pass or anything like that has really hurt in the past. We see Madden come to we see NBA two K. We see all these kinds of sports games regularly come to Game Pass after a couple months. MLB the show twenty-three just came to Game Pass Day and Date. That's a PlayStation game. They Playstation literally pays to develop that game. It's their own team that makes it. And uh well, we've seen the past couple of years with MLB the Show that the game sells better on PlayStation, even though it's available on PlayStation on Game Pass. More people play it on PlayStation. It still sells like crack. They're making way more money than they've ever made before on it. So I just feel like Sony has an example of their game that's on another uh, on Xbox's platform and on Game Pass, and it doesn't it doesn't cannibalize MLB the Show on PlayStation whatsoever. So why should we assume that Call of Duty would do? the opposite in the other direction. It just doesn't make sense to think that, you know, people are going to abandon ship on PlayStation because they can get Call of Duty on, on Xbox um, when, you know, people didn't abandon PlayStation for MLB, the show on Xbox, because it's in Game Pass. So I just, I just really don't see how... Sony's gonna, you know, whatever. They're grasping at straws. I, th- I, I get it. They have every obligation to try and in, try and stop this deal. It's it's their it's their job to do so. Uh, it's in their best interest financially. It just it just feels like they're grasping at straws here. So, the uh, the second story here, maybe the more notable one, just because it actually has long standing uh, uh, ramifications, is that Microsoft have announced another ten year deal to bring Activision, Xbox, Blizzard, whatever games, all to a new platform. Uh, as a part of getting this deal pushed through and approved, this time with UK mobile network operator and internet service provider EE. On Tuesday, Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer announced that the company will bring Xbox in the following acquisition, Activision Blizzard PC Games, to EE customers, though exactly how this will be done uh, and presented to customers is unclear. Xbox is said to be partnered with EE for some time, as the mobile provider and ISP have pushed further into the gaming space, players can already add Xbox Game Pass to their mobile tariffs to reduce costs of EE smart benefits. Uh, This offer to access Game Pass on Xbox, Cloud, and PC is already uh, available. So it's not entirely clear what this new deal entails, as EE does not offer its own game streaming platform. The EE does follow similar deals with Nintendo gaming service uh, Boostroid and Ubitus and the firm behind Nintendo Switch's cloud offerings. This is the latest in a series of signed publishing giants that have attempted to waylay fears over the proposed merger, which is currently working its way through government bodies around the globe. So this one's a little odd because so I have T-mobile here in the states I'm you know most of the people that listen this podcast are in the US so most of you are familiar with T-mobile so I, I have T-mobile here in the US and I'm very familiar with these kinds of incentives it's like they are not by any means the cheapest um, mobile net cellular provider at all but if you uh if you have them they give you lots of perks and benefits and little reasons to stay and never leave so sure I could go to like a mint mobile probably pay like 20 bucks a month for my phone service but with t-mobile they give me all these little bells and whistles i can just trade in my phone every year and get a brand new phone that's a huge thing that keeps me there that's the big thing that keeps me there uh i get mlb at bat every year or, or what do they call it now they call it mlb tv um i get it every year for free instead of spending 200 bucks or whatever it is to get access to all mlb games and network i just have to uh Keep my T-Mobile subscription and I, I, I automatically, along with my cell phone provider, just get access to baseball. They also pay for my Netflix. They pay for my Apple TV, which two services I would not pay for if it weren't for the fact that I'm getting them included in my cell phone provider's bill. Um, they give you all sorts of things. Every Tuesday, they give you like fucking coupons for coffee at Dunkin' Donuts or or like $3 off a sandwich at Firehouse Subs or random things like that. So I'm familiar with this kind of modern model that these Internet service providers and these um, – these mobile networks, kind of how they operate, where it's like these inflated service prices, but they throw in bells and whistles to kind of keep you suckered in and locked in on their platform as they slowly just raise the price on 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 their um, on their uh, network uh, on their network options. So it's just it's just crazy because I, I guess I, I add up all these values that I get from something like T Mobile. It's like MLB uh, is is the is the big one. I love I love saving $150, 200 bucks whatever it is annually by just having it on T Mobile. And then being able to just trade in my phone basically every year and just get a new phone is the other big one for me. But the one that the one that really I guess what I should say is none of those things really shock me or or like wow me the way that like getting Game Pass would. If you told me it's like we're just gonna give you Game Pass for being a T-Mobile customer, and every month I just get this fifteen dollars Game Pass value included my cell phone subscription, that would be a much bigger deal, much bigger perk than just like, oh, yeah, you get Netflix on us, and I watch Netflix for like two hours a month, you know? Uh, So I I don't know, man. Like, that seems like a significant perk, and now they're going to throw in potentially Activision Blizzard games in there too? So you're telling me if you're in the UK and and EE is your mobile provider, let's say you're paying 90 quid a month or whatever the hell it is for your one-line plan or whatever, you're just getting... Game Pass, along with Call of Duty and all that shit, just included in your service—that's an insane deal. And so you assume the 10 ten-year deal is probably, you know, to, to promise ten years of that offer being available on the service, at least to existing customers. I don't know. That sounds like a really, really great deal, but it's another, you know, very intentionally done thing. It's a, a UK mobile co- company. Is a company that obviously is a huge part of the uk economy and this makes it look very good for the cma you're trying to get their approval over there in the uk so you're like look at us playing nice with uh, your economy and your businesses and giving bells and whistles and perks to you guys this is uh all the more reason to be suckered into wanting to approve this deal so i think that's really where this deal comes from it's pretty clear and obvious but um there's our next 10-year deal the last thing uh as far as activision blizzard goes this week and we won't even get into this i'm literally just going to read you one sentence um a group of self-identified gamers have renewed their legal challenge to block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard uh, following their initial attempt at doing so being blocked back in March. So, yeah, there's a lawsuit. These people are trying to uh, block the deal, this uh, this group of self-identified gamers, in an attempt to stop the uh what they what they describe as a monopolization or a lack of competition in the market through uh, through this deal existing or potentially getting approved um, I just I just don't care I'm sorry. <laughs> so with that said that does it for our Activision Blizzard whatever updates of the week and we can move into the proper news or not proper news but the mildly amusing stories the updates of the week we have no corrections so we'll just get ready right to this stuff. Guys, we got some juicy stuff this week. The news is a little slim, but I feel like we got some actual juice. So, squeeze that lemon, strained your eyeballs, baby, because you're gonna be sitting back with with a with a with a burn. You you could say a red a red eye, a red fall. Uh, sp- oh wow, what a, what a smooth transition. Speaking of red fall, first up, uh Redfall is gonna be IGN's first cover story of the month. So, we're gonna talk about Redfall at, in the news segment. That's it's a big story. It's probably our first story. Um, But real quick, I just want to touch on Redfall is is the IGN first game of the month. For those who aren't familiar, IGN first is basically IGN's version of like a cover story at like a magazine outlet where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." you know, like we put Redfall on the cover of the magazine. And in the middle of this issue, there's like a three, four or five page spread all about this game. That's basically what IGN first is. It just means IGN gets uh, they partner with the publisher to get a lot of like exclusive inside first looks and scoops and news stories regarding the game so that it keeps people all month long coming to IGN for additional information on this game they're looking forward to. They do a different game every month, and this this month is Redfall. So if you're someone who's really excited for Redfall, I would advise you to maybe stick to IGN because they have tons of videos, tons of information coming out left and right all, all day every day. So... Great place to get some information on that. I personally am completely tapped down on Redfall. I will wait until the game is out before I play it or see any more of it. So I don't personally give a shit, but I just want to put it out there. It's interesting. Obviously, this game is imminent. It will be out in less than a month, and it is the next big first-party Xbox game coming out this year. So I think it's uh, obviously worth mentioning. But we will come back to Redfall in a big way, in an angry way, when we get to the main news. But until we get there, let's uh, move on with the stories of mild amusement. Next up, footage of Jet Set Radio and Persona 3 remakes are are leaking. Apparently, uh, Twitter user av2gamenoyami posted a video on Sunday, which shows Yukari from Persona 3 firing magical arrows and footage footage that looks like a more detailed version of Persona 3. Uh, as VGC reports, the following uh, th- this news was followed by earlier preview footage uh, of Sonic Frontiers then there's a brief five-second clip that appears to show Beat from Jet Set Radio dancing. The video has text in the corner of the screen that reads, Footage in Development. According to AV2 game Noyami, the footage is from Sega of Japan's internal meetings held in 2021. Although brief clips like this could be faked, various sites have now stepped in, stepped forward and stated that they have information and cause to believe that this footage is actually legitimate, including Twitter user GenkiJPN, which shared a watermarked image that looked similar to the Jet Set Radio footage shown from the other leaker. Sega news site Sega Bits posted that they would received leaked images from a survey asking about different art styles for Jet Set Radio, and that the But they were not able to share because it was watermarked with a user's name. Meanwhile, Gamatsu appeared to suggest Persona 3 footage may be real to some extent, noting that quote While we cannot verify the footage itself, Gamatsu understands that a Persona 3 remake has been development at Atlas for several years. They also noted that Twitter user mbkksstbhz whatever had found a website called. PR3.jp, which has been registered by the same domain provider as the official Persona 5 Royal website. So it seems like this is pretty legit, both these uh, these teases, leaks. And boy, oh boy, am I excited. I guess let's get the less exciting one out of the way first so we can talk about the more exciting one next. First of all, Persona 3 remake, remaster, re- reimagined. This could be the next big Persona game, I guess, to follow up Persona 5 Royal They could be doing Persona 3 remake instead of like a Persona 6. I think that's actually a pretty good idea because Persona 3 seems to be the one in the series where people have this attitude of like you should go back and play this game but there's no real great way to play it and there's a lot of argument as to which version of Persona 3 is the best version to play. So I think by just going back and remaking it and bringing it forward and making it accessible like Capcom's been doing with like Resident Evil I think it's a great idea for Persona. kind of gives people that game they already want helps them kind of have a not easier, but you know, like more uh, road mapped out kind of project ahead of them as opposed to just going in blind with a Persona 6 as they take some time to figure out what they want to do next with the series to really reinvigorate it and revolutionize it for Persona 6. I feel like this is a good idea because most people, as far as Persona Phantom goes, you know, remember Persona is game made by Atlas, which is a team owned by Sega. Uh, they, they're they the Persona is a spinoff series of their main series, which is the Shin Megami Tensei games, which are historically Nintendo games. They put them on like DS and shit like that. And then Persona was like a spinoff of that for PlayStation uh, back in like the PS2 era. They made Persona one, two, and three. And then it wasn't really until Persona four on the PS3 slash Vita that Persona started to really like blow up in the in, in the West here in the states and and whatnot. So per, the way it's always looked at is like Persona Three is kind of like the, the the one you got to play first, but it's kind of hard to get your hands on. So most people start with Persona Four, and then Persona Five is the one that kind of brought it to the level where like everyone is familiar with Persona. It's a household name. If anyone's played a you know if anyone's played at least one Persona game, it's been at least you know the fifth game. So it's just kind of grown more and more in popularity. So to kind of bring this third one, which is in a lot of ways kind of the first Persona game or the first one of any real consequence, to bring it forward like this kind of just makes sense now that you have this huge captive audience that loved Persona 5, maybe even loved Persona 4, but just hasn't really had a way to access these older titles um, that they'd probably also love. Uh, I think of Persona a little bit like Far Cry in that regard, where it's like, no one really talks about Far Cry 1 and 2, the, the series kind of starts with Far Cry 3, and that's kind of how it seems to be with Persona. So this seems like a smart and logical and reasonable way to move forward with Persona, and I, I'm inclined to believe this, I'm, I'm actually really excited I think, uh, I, I'm excited about this because if this, if this leak is to be believed, it gives us more reason to believe the second part of this leak is to be believed, which is Jet Set Radio. Oh, my God, please, for the love of Christ, bring this game back. Jet Grind Radio on the Sega Dreamcast is one of my favorite games from childhood that I just have no way of accessing these days. I don't have a Sega Dreamcast anymore. My brother had the one that I used to play on somewhere far away in Georgia. I haven't played a Sega Dreamcast in so long, but I love Jet Jet Grind Radio so much. And then they made the sequel for it, Jet Set Radio Future, which was an OG Xbox game. You could buy it with the OG Xbox bundle that came with Jet Set Radio Future and... Project Gotham Racing 2 or was it Project Gotham Racing 1? I forget. But it was like a double-sided case and it came up with both games. Iconic OG Xbox bundle from back in the day. Jet Set Radio, Jet Grind Radio, whichever you prefer to call it. Such such a great game. Um, I, I think about games I love today like Hi-Fi Rush, Sunset Overdrive, Even stuff like Tony Hawk and Spider-Man games and stuff like that and and how those games are so seemingly inspired by games like Jet Set Radio, Jet Grind Radio where – the game has got that cell shaded kind of like street art look, and you can go around tagging shit, but it's also kind of like Tony Hawk where you're like running around skates, but you're on inlines instead of skateboards. And it's just, it's such a fucking cool game. It's so wacky. It's so Japanese. It's got a banging soundtrack. It's super aesthetically just loud and, and fun looking and just inviting and just so good to play. It's such a, such a great, great, great series. I put so many, so many good hours into uh, Jet Grind Radio on the Sega Dreamcast. Uh, back back in the day, back in the early 2000s, and um, while I actually never played a whole lot of Jet Set Radio Future, because I played a lot less OG Xbox than I did Dreamcast, if I'm being honest, um, I just I, I really have a huge love for the in soft spot for this franchise. And it's one of those things where it's like the fact that Sega's never really brought it forward or tried to celebrate it in any meaningful way is such a shame because Jet, Jet Grind Radio has become such a kind of a cult hit. All these years later, it's it's one of those things where it's like everyone who's kind of into gaming to some extent, it's familiar with this franchise and knows of it and, and, and has positive things to say about it. But there's just no way to play these games anymore. and There's no real way to familiarize yourself with these titles anymore. There's just no there's no love from it. Sega just keeps making a uh, Persona and Sonic and Yaku- Yakuza and all this stuff. But we get no love for Jet Set Radio. So, God, I am hoping beyond all hope that this is real, that this comes out. Because this is, this is that kind of stuff Sega needs, too. They need to diversify their portfolio and also kind of bring some of that old IP back and, and keep it relevant, especially in this time where... Japanese games seem to be having such a big resurgence. Konami's getting back in with some of their old IP. Capcom's killing it by just remaking old Resident Evil games. I don't see why Sega couldn't do the same. Bring Crazy Taxi forward while you're at it too. You're you're finally killing it with Sonic again. Uh, Persona, you know, people are loving on Persona and Yakuza. I just I just think now is a great time for Sony or Sega to. Um, Tr- just try and bring all that stuff from the past forward, and, and you know, fucking give us a three D comic zone game. Give us restart. Give us Vector Man. Let's let's make it happen, Sega. Let's bring back all these great games that y- you do have. Great games that you just refuse to acknowledge and do anything with. And I, I want to see it. I want to see it. No, no Toe Jam and Earl. We're good without that. Thank you very much. But um, I think they've made modern Toe Jam and Earl games actually. But anyway, um, yeah. All that aside, I just want to round out with this as far as this topic is concerned. I think this would be good for Xbox to maybe try and get involved and say, hey, there's a little bit of a history here where Xbox is kind of the spiritual successor to the second Dreamcast. Jet Grind Radio went on to become Jet Set Radio Future, and it was an Xbox console exclusive. Maybe, just maybe, we should try to strike up a deal and get this Jet Grind Radio, Jet Set Radio, whatever remake or reboot or whatever it is as like a timed or exclusive or an Xbox exclusive in some way, shape or form. It makes sense. Xbox has a good relationship with Sega. They should play that up. This would be a good win for Xbox. I feel like this is something they should pursue, especially because God knows Sony... It has done so well with Persona for so long. It wouldn't be surprising to see if they locked in some deal to try to get Persona Three to be exclusive or time exclusive or have some kind of like bonus missions. Oh, there's an extra girl in Persona Three Remake if you play it on PS Five. So you have the option of six different girls to re- romance instead of a instead of four or five girls. So I don't know. I could see Sony doing something like that. So this is just Xbox, like me saying to Xbox, like yeah, I get a little dirty sometimes and play their game. You know, they, they like to go over to the Japanese publishers and throw money around to get exclusivity go ahead and do it man this is how you're gonna get xbox some love in japan this is how you're gonna get some uh some that association of ex- good japanese games on xbox is by making these deals and I, i'm always pushing for sega not only because i love sega but because xbox has a good relationship with sega you know <laughs> fantasy star online 2 has been in the west console exclusive on xbox for so long now uh, i i know it's finally coming to playstation and other other platforms i believe um at least playstation but, you know, for so long that's been an Xbox game and, you know, it's like, come on, just keep keep riding the wave, keep doing this. I think this is the kind of stuff you need to do because Sony's got Square Enix on lockdown. I, I think they might have Konami on lockdown too. That's yet to be seen. But, you know, Xbox has played well with Sega and actually Capcom as well in the past with Dead Rising and such. And I think you need to strike these deals and try to, like, drill these things home and, and keep finding deals like this to make if you really want to make that serious Headroom with uh, the Japanese market just just even if you're telegraphing to your Western audience like hey We want to bring Japanese content to you guys. You know what you got to do Get us that jet grind radio on Xbox Series X. Ooh, baby. All right Couple more quick ones before we get into the actual news this this week Um, From VGC EA games have revealed a logo for EA Sports FC their new FIFA Successor uh, and they shared a few details about the game Uh, More details will be coming in July, but they did want to say that the game will feature the largest footballing competition in the world, including Premier League, Champions League, and La Liga. Uh, Understandably, absent uh, is the FIFA World Cup following the unamicable end of the footballing body's relationship with EA. And according to EA, the game's new logo represents the developer's history of making football games. They said their brand identity is inspired by the triangles that have been part of EA Sports over uh, the past 30 years. From the isometric polygons that make up the games to the chemistry triangles that exist in Ultimate Team. Whatever the fuck that means. The the game's logo is a triangle. So this is all a lot of nonsensical stuff. Let me explain for those who don't remember. um, So EA and FIFA had a huge breakup. Basically, FIFA thinks they can charge whatever the fuck they want for their license to to be used. And EA says, hey, we make the best soccer game uh, and we can actually do fine without the FIFA brand. So EA opted not to renew their FIFA license. So this new game, EA Sports FC, football club I assume it means, um, is just FIFA. It's just FIFA 23, 24, whatever it's called. It's the next FIFA game. But they no longer have the FIFA license. So you're not going to have the FIFA Cup in the game. You're not going to see that brand or iconography or anything anywhere. But the game is still going to be the same. They're, they're, they're working with tons of different companies um, to try and get licensing for all these players and stadiums and brands and all these things to keep the game you know, essentially what it was. Um, and basically put a big middle finger up to FIFA and say, fuck you. You cost too much money. You're not worth it. You're also kind of a shitty company. Uh, we don't want to work with you. And so... That's kind of where we are. Is this is a reality. We're seeing this happen. Now, keep in mind FIFA the association has said that they're going to work with other developers and stuff to try and make new FIFA games and have multiple types of FIFA FIFA games out there. Um, you know, the way you see it is like there's kind of this like two-sided thing where the FIFA brand is powerful as hell, definitely helps sell the game. Um, but, you know, you got to have a good game to back up that name. People aren't just going to play dog shit forever, you know? You think about like football and how back when there was competition and choice with NFL games people used to pick the better one not just the only one on the market. So similar thing here where it's like yeah you might have the FIFA name but the the, the soccer games EA's been making for a long ass time are widely regarded as the best soccer game so even though you know EA's game isn't going to say FIFA on the cover anymore it's going to say FC Sports it's still going to be the higher quality game. So we got to we got to see how this is going to play out where FIFA can make games with the FIFA brand on it. EA can make really great soccer games, but they have to build a brand from the ground up now. I think a lot of players are going to be savvy enough to know just kind of what's happening and through various means that FC Sports is the new FIFA game. It is where FIFA players should go this year for their next FIFA video game fix. Uh, but no doubt there are going to be those more casual or less uh, less uh, educated Players, as far as what's going on here with uh, football games or soccer games, um, where where these players are going to have to learn the hard lesson of, uh, oh, why was there no FIFA game this year? Oh, next year I noticed there's this FIFA game. Oh, why is this FIFA game so bad? Why does it look so bad? Why does it play so bad? Not to assume, but you know, you can't just become a masterclass at making sports tiles overnight. EA has... You know, a long history and a lot of skill in doing this thing. It's going to be hard to believe someone else is just going to come in and make a better soccer game. We saw Konami tried to do a few years ago. They, they, did, they didn't succeed. And so I just feel like what we're going to see play out is either EA is going to have kind of a slower start to rebuilding their soccer kingdom of video gaming. By having to sell people on this new brand and slowly acclimate people, you know, people will learn over time. Hey guys, this EA Sports FC game, this this is like just as good as FIFA was back in the day. Remember that game? And so they're going to have to kind of rebuild their market with this new brand. And then FIFA is going to have to try and find the right partners to get a good game on the market to try and compete with what EA already does well. And it's going to be kind of a race to see who wins first. Does FIFA manage to find the right partners and get a good game out the door? Or does EA manage to do just fine without the FIFA license and people buy the game by the millions and play it like crazy and love it regardless? So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out. Um, But the race is on for sure. And honestly, I think EA has kind of got this in the bag because gameplay is king and people prefer a better game. And I think I think FIFA is widely regarded as a pretty. I I know people hate Madden and I know there's been controversies with FIFA in the past, but I know for the most part, people really like FIFA. So I don't know. All right. Um, This, I didn't know where to put this next one because I have so little to say about it, but I know people were drawing attention to it, so I'll just relay this. From Windows Central, uh, Phil Spencer, head of CEO or head of Xbox, CEO of gaming, Microsoft gaming, you know, was talking about. A game Pass coming to 40 more countries, which I think is somewhere else in the news, uh, but in the little clip that was shared on YouTube about this announcement, um, people noticed on the on the shelf in the background of his room was the little uh, Xbox Keystone, for those who don't remember, which is the uh, little, what we assumed was like a $99 Xbox streaming box, it's not an actual console, it's a little streaming kit, you hook it up to a TV, and you can stream Game Pass to your tv so it's like an entry easy cheap level for people to get in the door with xbox without having to buy a three to five hundred dollar console um so it looks like that product might not be dead after all the uh times we've heard that this project might be on you know on ice maybe it's going ahead maybe they're teasing it again phil spencer's notorious for teasing things on the background shelf of his uh you know on his videos and his various at home videos that um gets shown around different events and things like that so Uh, I I don't know. I don't care. I'd rather just wait for official confirmation. I I feel like maybe they want to get this kind of thing out the door ultimately because with the economy getting rough, having a $100 alternative for people to play Xbox would sound like a pretty good thing to have on shelves. And uh, there's now rumors that PlayStation's looking into doing something similar to this. So uh, although theirs, I think, is in handheld form. So regardless of who does what, you know maybe it's like the competitions on you don't want to you don't want to have nothing to compete with or nothing to Respond to your competition with and so maybe this is something they are looking at again although if you remember um, The one time Microsoft did speak to this I think Phil Spencer was the one who said they just couldn't get the price where they wanted it to be So it's on ice for now, but maybe one day they'll come back to this and so that's kind of where we last heard about that all right last one here is that um, Speaking of e3 being dead um, Gamescom opening night live will return this August with Jeff Keeley as the host as always. In a tweet, the host said that he's excited to be back in Cologne, Germany with fans of the industry. Streaming video game news directly to you, he says. So this will be, for those who don't know, opening night live is like, basically like Summer Games Fest or the Game Awards. But for, but for Gamescom, it's kind of annoying because you get Summer Game Fest in June. Then you get Gamescom in August. And in between those two months isn't really enough time for a lot to happen. So you get these two big gaming events back to back. But nonetheless, they're doing it again this year and that they said that more companies, more gaming companies have signed up to take part in this year's opening night live than any year before since 2019 when they started doing this. So, you know, it's going to be a big deal, I guess. So Gamescom 2023 will take place from August 2020, August 22nd to August 27th. And according to organizers Colemaness, Coleman uh, and the German Games Industry Association, as of the middle of March this year's Gamescom has a ten percent more has ten percent more companies registered overall than last year. So Gamescom is growing. It's coming back this year. It's going to be huge. Opening Night Live will be there to accompany it. And E3 is most certainly dead, <laughs> as uh, Gamescom continues to thrive. Although Gamescom has always been more audience focused, whereas E3 has been more industry focused. So that I think is the uh, kind of. Um, the 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 blow that's killing one and allowing the other to survive and thrive all right guys that's gonna do it for all of our opening little news stories this week um now we get to kind of I mean we're 45 minutes in we're barely in into the news or anything so I guess we'll talk about the real news but before we do that I'll I'll quickly go over the games I've been playing this week and before I even do that I you know I, I can't just I gotta tell you about what I've been eating guys before I can tell you about what I've been playing I gotta tell you about what I've been eating and that's Just to say this week, guys, i got a letdown here. Sam's Club have uh, finally done it. They have finally let me down. Um, You see, Sam's Club, big fan here. Love Sam's Club through and through. You see, they have these bread bowls, and I've been looking for an excuse to buy them and use them. And I found this recipe online this week for broccoli cheddar soup. Actually, not this week, last week. And I made this recipe last week without the bread bowls, and it was really good. It was really good broccoli cheddar soup, and I found some French bread, sliced it up, broiled it for a little bit, throw some olive oil, some salt, pepper, whatever, and you dip that shit in your soup. It's so fucking good. It was really good soup. Everything was great. So I I decided, you know what? I'm going to go out of the way, get all all the way over to Sam's Club, my favorite store, and I'm going to buy these bread bowls because I'm going to make this soup again but I'm going to get these bread bowls. I'm going to carve out the top. I'm going to pour the soup into the bread bowls. It's going to be amazing because everything at Sam's Club is good. Their meat's good. Their you know their uh, desserts are good. All their little off-brand versions of different things. I love everything Sam's Club. I'm wearing a Sam's Club t-shirt right now as I record. I'm such a big Sam's Club guy. I'm a members mark whore, if you will. So all is well. I finally get to Sam's Club. I buy these bread bowls. And I'm super excited about them. They kind of look like if you have ever had the Panera Bread Bowl. It's kind of like that, you know, the perfect little bowl-shaped thing. You carve out the top like you're gonna carve out a pumpkin around Halloween. And uh, I heat these things up. I put my oven on for 350, pop them in there for five, seven minutes, kind of warm them up, get them all crispy and toasty and soft in the middle and everything. And then when I go when I go to eat my soup, I pour the soup into the bread bowl. I go to enjoy this. I'm thinking it's gonna be so amazing. I find out that this is actually some of the worst bread I've ever had. And this is shocking because Sam's Club makes good bread. I've either hoagie rolls, I've had their various muffins and kind of breakfast, dessert, pastry type things, croissants, that nature. Usually they're pretty good with baked items, but these bread bowls are terrible. They are. They're sourdough bre- bread bowls, but they don't have that like soury, savory, sweet thing. They got like this uh, just kind of sour, raw, undercooked yeasty flavor. And then they're bland on the finish and they're just not great. They're really not good. So I I've just been kind of reeling with that the past 48 hours since I've made this um, this soup with just this notion that even the greats can let you down. Sam's Club has never let me down. I use them every year for Thanksgiving. We buy Sam's Club cake. We buy a prime rib. We buy all of our, our vegetables and potatoes and everything from Sam's Club. And we cook almost exclusively with their ingredients to make a beautiful Thanksgiving meal every time. You know, regularly on a Sunday, if I'm not feeling like cooking, but I got to do grocery shopping, I'll go to Sam's Club. I'll pick up a $5 rotisserie chicken, a bag of Caesar salad mix, throw that shit all together. It's amazing. You know, Sam's Club, best food court out there. $8 large pizzas. They're amazing. $1.50 ice cream or, or frozen yogurt. Amazing. But, um... Sam's club let me down this week because I just assumed why wouldn't the bread bulls be amazing? You know, they're nothing at Sam's club is bad this week. I learned that some things at Sam's club are bad and bread bulls are just one of them. So guys uh, pour one out for Sam's club. They, they, they missed the mark. The members mark missed the mark this week and I'm not feeling great about it. And, uh, please if, if you're a costco fan and you're out there listening please do not rub salt in my wound do not go into the comments and say well that's why you should be a kirkland a kirkland cuck uh instead of a members mark marketer uh because kirk you know because costco's better sam's club sucks i i know i know you guys have your strong opinions you you costco people but please do not you know kick me while i'm down wounded um i'm i'm, I'm dealing with this trauma and uh I just ask for a little bit of patience and time. Alright guys, that's it for what I've been eating. Uh, as for what I've been playing, finally, 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 I beat Destiny 2 Lightfall. Not that I was excruciating a little long or hard or anything. I just, uh, I was trying to clear my schedule, as I said earlier, because Ghostwire Tokyo is coming out this week. I wanted to be ready for this game, so I tried to do all the things I was doing in all the different games. I beat Destiny 2 Lightfall. I don't have anything else to say about this that I haven't already said in the past I'm really disappointed with uh, how grindy this expansion is. It'll just randomly, like, in between mission three and four, it'll just be like, all right, go bump your light level 20 points, and then you just go grinding uh, strike missions and crucible and all this stuff. It just kind of Fs up with the pacing. But overall, I like this expansion from a moment-to-moment gameplay uh, standpoint. I think the new planet is awesome. The new aesthetic is awesome. I really hate this new main character, this new, this not main character, but this new, the character they introduce with this uh, expansion, he's they're, they're they're creepy looking as all hell. It's like an anorexic fish creature, and it just scares the fuck out of me, and I hate it. But other than that, I I think the gameplay is pretty tight. It's more Destiny, and it's fun. I just don't like the grindy nature of it. Um I I, I, I see people bitching and moaning about the story. The story doesn't bother me at all. It's just very vague and and simple and light. And they will use all that to go into the next expansion, which is like the big final battle, final climax of the story, and, and, and that's where we're gonna have all the payoffs. So that's honestly, I, I don't know. I just I have so little to bitch and moan about here other than just say I really hate the grindiness of, of this expansion. But other than that, it's more Destiny. I love Destiny. Their level design's only gotten better and better over the years. And this game just never gets boring. I just, I love that Destiny is this game where, you know, once a year I can just pick it up for a month or so and I'm a Destiny fan and I'm back in the world and I'm grinding and I'm looking for gear and I'm playing through new story content, playing some Crucible, all these things. And then I put it down, I move on with my life. And then a year later, time to come back and play some more Destiny. I just, I love that. I've always had fun with it. And, uh, you know, it's God, man, Destiny will be. Ooh, Destiny will be nine years old this September. So, you know, eight and a half years I've been playing this game religiously, and uh, I love Destiny. I really love Destiny. Uh, the other, another game I've been playing this week a little bit. I I put literally one hour into this game, but I will I will speak to it a little bit. I bought on a whim because it was on sale for like four dollars. I bought and tried the Surge, <laughs> which is a game from Deck Thirteen. These are the guys making that Atlas Fallen. Uh, game that I'm really excited for that comes out in a couple months. And uh, The Surge, for those who don't know, is essentially a European developed cyber future mech version of like a Dark Souls game. And people say really good things about this series, I think, especially the second one is the one people really like. But I thought, you know, maybe having an aesthetic like this that's a little more my speed, maybe it will help me. To be a little more patient and open-minded to something like a souls like game so i thought for a couple bucks for less than five bucks why not so i went ahead i downloaded the surge this is the first one i think released in 2017 and boy oh boy did i really it's exactly like when i played Wolong fallen dynasty 30 minutes into the game i'm like yo this game's kind of cool i like this game an hour into the game i'm like yo fuck this game i keep dying and i don't want to get better at the combat and i don't have the patience for this fuck this game and then i deleted it I I turned off the Xbox, and I said, no more of The Surge. So this is just yet another attempt of me trying to get involved in a Souls-like game and going, nope, not for me. So that was my experience playing The Surge. Uh, And then finally, this one might throw you off a little bit because it's not an Xbox game, but I've been playing uh, Super Mario 3D World on the Nintendo Switch. Um, My girlfriend and I saw the Mario movie this past weekend, and anticipation celebration of it i was like you know it's been a I, I always shit on nintendo um but I, I gotta be clear i gotta be i gotta let me be transparent and set the stage nintendo i was the biggest nintendo fanboy for the longest time until like around the time the switch came out basically i was a huge nintendo fan i love nintendo basically grew up with Game Boy and N64 and GameCube and all that shit. I absolutely adored Nintendo throughout my childhood. Grew up with a lot of access to NES and SNES games through a lot of ROMs and stuff my older brother had, Um, you know, playing them on PC and shit like that. Um, But I I, I love Nintendo. I've always loved Nintendo. But at some point, um, you know, it it came to a head where I kind of started to grow out of it because Nintendo's just driving me nuts and just making the same shit over and over and over again. At the same time, there is that part of me that will always have a soft spot for Nintendo. I love Nintendo, and I got to be clear about one thing. Regardless of that, Mario is my favorite game of all time. Super Mar- specifically, Super Mario Galaxy 2007, Nintendo Wii, absolute greatest game of all time. I'm sorry, Sonic Unleashed. I'm sorry, Halo Three. Mario, Galaxy, God tier. Best game ever made. So I I love Mario. I've always loved Mario. I love 2D Mario. I love 3D Mario. Um, When Super Mario 3D World originally came out in 2013 on the Nintendo Wii U, um, I happily bought it the day it came out. I remember skipping school that day, going out to Walmart, picking up a copy of the game, stopping by Chick-fil-A on the way home. That was. Back when I used to get my old order, the two Chick-fil-A sandwiches, one deluxe, one regular, uh, mayonnaise, uh, large fry, Chick-fil-A sauce, and a cookies and cream milkshake. That was back when I was 17, and I could eat that every day and be fine. Um, But yeah, pick that shit up, bring it home. I remember I played this game from the minute I got home until the minute I rolled credits. I beat the whole game in one day. Not to say it's super impressive. It's probably only like a seven-hour game. But I I just, one playthrough. Didn't even stop, other than to maybe go pee. Uh, I didn't stop to eat, didn't stop to rest, or anything. I just played this game from start to finish. I adored this game. I think Mario 3D World is actually one of the more underrated Mario games. Uh, this is It's kind of a sequel spinoff to that Nintendo 3DS game, Super Mario Land 3D, where it's like this cross between 2D and 3D Mario, where it has kind of a pulled-back 3D, but almost like a top-down perspective sometimes. Sometimes it's pulled back, sometimes it's 2D, but it's a little more... You know, like a link, but you know, like a link to the past style, but for Mario in a way, while also still being behind the camera, third, whatever, 3D. It's weird. It's got a a little bit of this like entry level 3D kind of uh, uh, style to it, where it's you know the level design and the mission, the level structure and the game structure is a lot more in line with like a 2D Mario, but set in a 3D plane. I I love this series, we only got these two games the Mario 3D Land on 3DS and then Mario 3D World on Wii U and now Switch and um, I I loved this game when it came out, I played the fuck out of it, it was one of the few games that I could play co-op and it wouldn't piss me off, I would invite friends and such to come over and be like, let's fucking play this Mario game together, And it was was a grand old time but I I decided in celebration of the Mario movie, I would go ahead and download this game on the Switch, I, you know, I like everything on the Wii U, it just got ported all over to the Switch, because no one bought the Wii U, and everyone bought the Switch, so here I am coming in a little grumpy about it, a little excited, a little grumpy, because I love this game, but I'm like, you motherfuckers couldn't support it when it was on Wii U being an awesome game, and now here it is on Switch, and I gotta play with these shitty Joy-Con controllers that I hate the feeling of, and whatever, so I'm trying to have a positive attitude, and my girlfriend and I are playing it, and Two things, two takeaways. One, this game is just as good as I remembered. It is so whimsical, it's so charming, it's so fun, it is so cute, I absolutely adore this game. Um, it just it just shows why Nintendo is so good at what they do. It's because they just understand. It's the thing I love so much about Disney World, honestly. It's because it's not because it's like, ooh, it's for kids and I'm a stupid child uh, stuck in a man's body. It's because I love attention to detail. I love care and intention and that kind of touch. And Nintendo, especially with Mario games, they just get this. Oh, they get it so well. It's just like all the little things. Like you got your stupid little cat Mario outfit on. You're running around, and you can see little paw prints everywhere you go. Or like for some reason, uh, like the little sounds it makes when you're scratching up the wall, or like the weird little sounds that they'll make if they take one hit of health, or or whatever the case may be. The fact that like the flowers in the background of the level are just bouncing around and dancing kind of to the to the the rhythm of the uh, of, of the of the game soundtrack. It's just these like little touches. It's little nuances that make the world feel fun and alive and exciting and ridiculous and that's the kind of shit i just got nintendo is so good at and so i still love this game i still think the world of this game i still think it's a lot of fun absolutely this game was better on wii u than it is on switch and and that's for two reasons one the nintendo joy cons are absolute dog trash it's okay if you like switch switch is a cool piece of tech i get why it's popular it's awesome i'm glad people love it that's great Nintendo Switch Joy Cons are trash. They're the worst fucking controller uh, I've held in the past twenty years. Probably the worst video game controller since the N64, which also had a dog shit controller. And yes, I say that as someone who is from the '90s, grew up playing the N64, loved the N64, but can admit because I'm uh, I'm 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 an adult and I can admit that the N64 has a absolute dog shit controller. Um, Switch is right there with. It. I just I fucking hate those Joy Cons so much. Make fun of the Wii U all you want. I get it. The Wii U was goofy. It looked like a Fisher Price toy. Everyone says it. But that Wii U gamepad felt good in your hands. It felt so good. It felt ergonomic despite looking like an iPad. It, it, the buttons were incredible. The, it was the premium feeling. Like the, everything just, ugh. I miss that. I miss that so much because the goddamn, these Joy Cons feel like dog shit. So that's the first thing. Personal gripe, whatever it is, what it is. The second thing is this game has frame rate issues. On the Switch, what the hell, dude? There were no frame rate issues on this when I played it on a Wii U back in the day. I'm coming. I, at first, I was like, maybe it's just, I don't know, maybe whatever. So we played this game three days already, right? Three separate days. I've restarted my Switch and everything just to try and test multiple things. This game has frame rate stutters. I, I I haven't checked its fucking. Look, look here. Let me just prove my fucking Nintendo point real quick. Watch, watch this, watch this, watch. I'm on, I'm on being Super Mario, 3D world's Metacritic. Switch, watch this shit, I bet it's like an 89 or a 92, yep, it's an 89, holy shit, how did I guess that, how did I guess that, alright, it's an 89, let's see, let's see how many of these fucking Destructoid, The Gamer, what are these, IGN, let's see how many of these actually uh, mention how insanely shitty the performance is, well actually it's not, it's not loading for some reason, okay, so, (laughs) joke's on me, but uh, yeah, I mean, 88, 90%, 100%, are you are you are you serious? Are you serious? The game fucking lags and stutters. It's a Mario game from 2013, and you can't get it running on your 2017 hardware. I, I don't know about that, man. So anyway, I don't know. That that shit just drives me crazy. Switch is a piece of shit, dude. I, I, it drives me nuts. It's fucking Pokemon games. I haven't played the Pokemon game, so I don't know. I'm sure it's exaggerated how bad it performs, but. The fact that there's a Pokemon game that's apparently fucking broken, and then it sold like 20 million copies and everyone loved it. It's just like, that's Nintendo. You'll never get better because your fans will never ask for more than absolute dog shit. So, anyway, I, I love the game. I love Mario. They got they got my childhood, my nostalgia by you know by by the by the throat. I'll always love Mario. This game was fantastic when it came out. Then it's still great now, but uh, performs like shit on Switch. I still hate the Switch, but I'm, I'm begrudgingly actually having a great time playing it because. It's a it's a fun little game. Uh, nonetheless, uh, that's that's it for what I've been I've been playing with the uh, just a little postscript uh, this week. I cannot fucking wait to get into Ghostwire Tokyo. I'm really excited to try that game. Also, Tron Identity. Uh, it's only on on Steam and Switch, so it's not on Xbox. But a little shout out to Tron Identity. It's a Mike Bithell game, the guy that makes Thomas was alone. It's a, a like a novel kind of graphic novel type game set in a new grid in the Tron universe. So excited to play that. So. All right. We'll talk about that all next week, probably. But uh, yeah, that's it for what I've been playing. And with that said, slow news week, but we're already an hour into the podcast. So what do you say? We uh, take a breather and then hop into the news this week. Thank you. God bless. Breaking news Cody Pavan just wrote in. Oh, man, this is a. Uh- Kind of terrible timing, huh? <laughs> hey Jesse, hope you're having a good week. Ghostwire Tokyo hits Game Pass today, and I've been personally waiting for this one. Excited to sit down with a beer and smoke since it's in, I'm in a legal state and dive in. Are you excited to give this game a shot now that it's finally on Xbox? Yes. Listen, I'm not going to not read a comment. Someone writes in the show. I, it's my obligations. I'm going to read the comment even if the timing makes no sense whatsoever. So take that, insert it into the front of the podcast. We're all good. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hope uh, hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Write in next week. Maybe a little earlier before I hit record and then we can talk it over, baby boy. But hope you have a great week. Please. Drink responsibly and stay stay thirsty, my friends. Is that dosekis? I don't know. Anyway. Guys, let's get into the news this week. Starting with Redfall. What a great transition. Uh all right, here comes the news. Nobody wants to uh nobody wants to hear, but it is what it is, so VGC relays that Redfall will not include a 60 frames per second performance mode on Series X or S when the game releases in May. Instead, it will be added via a game update at a later date, the game's official Twitter account has confirmed. At launch, the Xbox version of the game will include a quality mode with Xbox Series X supporting 4K30 and Series S per, um, offering 1440 30. So... This is just a uh, a big old L, right? I think this is a uh, this is not, not really not much more to say about this other than what a freaking loss this is because right this is <sighs> it's one thing when we see something like Gotham Knights have this issue because it's a third party game, whatever you're building for multiple platforms, including you know PlayStation, and whatnot. But this right here is a first party game. I know it didn't start its development as a first party game. You know, Redfall was probably pretty far along when Microsoft bought Bethesda, but it doesn't matter. This game is launching as a console exclusive on Xbox, as an Xbox-owned party or team, uh, and uh, this is unacceptable. Because what you're telling, what you're telegraphing to your audience is it is okay for games to come out and not have these these features, these functions that we, we assume and we expect to be fundamental to the experience. 60 frames per second on Series X, and I'm specifically talking about Series X here, should not at all be an option. It should not be a performance option. It should be the standard. I'm going to say this one more time. Call of Duty has been hitting 60 FPS since the 2007 Xbox 360 days. Actually, I think Call of Duty 2 and 3 might have even been 60. I don't know but it's just like that's the one I always go to because that's the that's the game where everyone thinks about, you know, 60 fps kind of mattering the first on console. Call of Duty had 60 fps on Xbox 360 in 2007. Why can't we get 60 fps out of the 29 teraflop next gen behemoth Xbox Series X from your own in-house first party team doesn't make sense. And I know what they're saying. They're saying, "Well, it will have that. It's just at a later date." Okay, well, it sounds like your game's not ready to go, so don't release it. This is going to be one of those times where all I have to say is going to be basically the thing you're going to hear from everyone else. Do not release your game. Listen, Xbox, this is indicative of a much, much bigger problem because Redfall is just one game, whatever. It will get 60 FPS mode eventually, whatever. This is one one of many games and it speaks to a much bigger problem the fact that xbox couldn't apparently fucking learn from halo infinite and why you just need to hold the game back until it's damn ready to go you know the fact that they couldn't learn from that and that they still think oh it's okay we could just put Redfall out and do 60 fps later no no you're on your dude Xbox, why don't you get this, man? <laughs> you dude, you're on your you're on your toes here. Like you are on defense mode. You're hey, you're the one that's got 70 billion dollars to blow on on Activision, but you already have like 20 fucking game studios with a million games in development and you can't get a single one out the fucking door. Okay? You're the ones that botched Halo into oblivion by not having a proper staff. Poorly managing the studio, not allowing people to work full-time, relying on contract workers, having no vision for the game service part, and just kind of pushing the shit out the window. This is on your hands, Microsoft. This falls, I don't, you know, I again, I don't work in this industry. I don't know exactly if this is Phil Spencer's fault or Matt Booty's fault or a bunch of people underneath them, or who like we I don't know who we're supposed to point the finger to and blame here, but like this is unacceptable. This is unacceptable. You there listen, it is okay. If you withhold some additional content that you're going to release as DLC down the line, whatever. No one gives a shit. It's going to be an open world game with tons to do anyway. I don't care. It's okay if it's like, oh man, we're going to have a 4K mode, but that's not quite ready. That's down the line. Whatever. That only affects certain people who have the TVs who can take advantage of it. It's a fidelity thing. 60 FPS has to do with how, in the 4K thing, I only say half, hardly, because even that's like, just have that shit ready. But 60 FPS isn't really, like, a preference. It's, like, it's, like, a standard. It's, like, saying, oh, yeah, our game's, like, only gonna crash, like, like a little bit. Like, it'll crash sometimes, but we promise we got a patch coming out. The game's not gonna crash all the time. 30 FPS is, like, a, it's, like, a game-breaking bug. It's a, it's a, it's a sickness on gaming at this point. Like, we don't want 30 FPS. It makes games look bad and play bad and feel bad. And that's the problem, is it's, like, I don't give a shit about 4K all that much, honestly. That's why I don't feel terribly bad that I didn't get, oops, I didn't buy the uh, the TV that was twice as much as the one I bought, and so I can't do the 4K and 60 FPS at the same time, because to me, I'm just like, I don't give a shit, man. My TV's big, it's beautiful, games look good on it. As long as they run at 60 FPS, I don't care, because I know the game is going to feel great to play. You see, that's the difference. It's like I need Redfall to feel great. I don't need it to just look great. It can look fine. It can look excellent. It can look solid. I don't care about any of that. I actually just want the game to feel great more than anything. Because if you release the game locked at 30 FPS, regardless of what platform I'm on, it just feels like you're giving me a game that feels like less. And I'm saying that as someone who's usually a little more forgiving on these things than most people are. I still played Gotham Knights. I waited until it was 30 bucks. You know, I didn't put a full 60 into it, but again, this isn't some third-party game. This is the first-party offering. This is the kind of stuff that sets the precedent. So when Microsoft puts a game like Redfall out and says 60 FPS isn't ready, it will be out later. First of all, I don't believe you because you guys let 343 lie 100,000 times about multiplayer and co-op and all that stuff. So you don't have my trust because you promise features all the time and then don't deliver them. So that's part number one. Okay, Part number 2 is I I don't want you to withhold the thing that makes the game look and feel good. Part 3 is you're now telegraphing to your partners and to people who are going to make games and put games on your platform, "Hey, it's okay to put a half-baked product on our on our platform. We we're okay with that." That's literally what Redfall is now. It's a giant fucking advertisement to EA, to Activision, and Activision not owned by by Microsoft. That is I'm referring to. Uh, all your partners, whatever the case, whoever else is still putting games out. Ubisoft, do they still make games anymore? I don't know. All your indie partners, everyone. It tells everyone, hey. It's totally okay if you wanna put out a game that's half-baked and unfinished. Remember when Cyberpunk came out and PlayStation was so furious about it? They're like, fuck that. We're pulling this game from our storefront. You can't sell this game to our customers until you fix your shit, CD Projekt Red. And Xbox didn't do anything like that? Yeah, this is kind of like in that regard where it's just like it's okay. We'll let our consumers buy dog shit. We'll just we'll just let them have a worse time. And listen, I understand I'm being a little dramatic here because at the end of the day, there are a lot of people who can play 30 FPS and say, "I don't know the difference between 30 and 60 FPS." That's fine. I I envy your ignorance. Um there are people who do notice the difference but don't care and say 30 FPS is fine. I don't care. Um you know, whatever. I, I'll live with it. It's not a game breaker. Good to good for you more power to you, I, I, I'm not trying to criticize you as a person, I'm trying to say to Microsoft, to these developers, to these publishers, to these managers in, in charge of these teams, this isn't cool, if, it, if we're talking about the Series S, I'm not so hung up that the game is 30 FPS on Series S, because I bought that console knowing it's a $300 little engine that could, that, that, that does some amazing shit for what it is, that's fine. But my $500 38 teraflop Megasaurus most powerful console ever made CEO of sex gaming machine better fucking do 60 FPS at minimum. Do I care if it has ray tracing? I, I don't give a shit. Does the 4K matter to me? Not really. Does 60 FPS? Yeah, because that's how the game fucking feels. And that's I just I, I think this that's embarrassing, dude. It's so embarrassing. It's It's delay the game. Just delay the game. Listen, Xbox, you have nothing to lose. Delay the fucking game. And you know what the sad part is? There have been a lot of rumors that Starfield is not going to run at 60 FPS on console, and that there's a lot of struggle trying to get that game at 60 FPS. And hey, if they were willing to do this, then maybe Starfield's in a similar boat. And I understand. It's like, what are you going to do? Delay Starfield out of September? Delay Redfall out of May? If that's what you got to do, you better fucking do it. And yeah, we're still going to make fun of you because you got no fucking games because you can't get 60 FPS running on your games and you got to delay them. But at least you're not releasing false promises and half finished games and just unbaked dog shit. Like, listen, nothing should be. This is this is something Xbox needs to take to heart. Listen, they take it from me. Take it from an absolute nobody that just so happens to own an Xbox and have a microphone with an Internet connection. Take it from me. Listen, man. What's the one thing Nintendo gets right over Xbox 99% of the time, except with Super Mario 3D World on Switch, because apparently it has frame rate issues. <laughs> Generally speaking, or at least historically, Nintendo had a quality thing. Any Anytime you buy a game from Nintendo, it meant quality. I don't think that's so much the case anymore, because Nintendo's had so many issues in the Switch era of games that are not fully optimized and, 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 and spec'd out for the hardware they're on, so I guess I should strip nintendo of that honor um i'm actually gonna give sony the honor on this because sony seems to be the absolute best at it uh, which is that sony doesn't put out a game that's anything less than just magnificent just ready to go in its final form listen if you have a a slow third person narrative brooding like paced uh, talky game whatever by all means 30 fps is what it is i don't care maybe it's an artistic stylistic choice i don't care Redfall is a shooter. It's a first-person shooter. So, 60 FPS is not an option for shooters. It is it is the it is the expectation. So, I I just don't think it's similar. These things are not comparable. Like you absolutely need to have this stuff down pat. Um you, you don't see the stories where it's like God of War Ragnarok uh, launched and it's a total piece of shit. Last of Us Part 2 launched and it's a total piece of shit. Uh Uncharted 4 launched and it doesn't have this no. Because why would you release your first party content, the games that are supposed to make your platform or showcase on your platform to everyone else? This is what gaming can be on this console. I I understand maybe you're laughing a little bit because Last of Us just launched on PC and it's a piece of shit. I I get that. That port is busted. But generally speaking, on PlayStation hardware, they don't let that stuff happen. It never happens. So I just don't see why Xbox has no care or concern for quality control and are willing to do this like you're allowing you, you'll you'll so flippantly and fuck around with and play with the integrity and the brand of halo which is just such a stupid thing to do and then now you'll do it with one of your new studios think, think about it like this uh this is the first game arcane is going to put out as an xbox team as an xbox first party developer not a great way to start start that uh start that relationship and i'm not taking this out on arcane just so we're clear. This is, I'm holding Xbox accountable for this, because Arcane answers to Bethesda, who answers to Xbox, so this is Xbox's problem. Delay your game, delay your game, delay your game, I'll probably still play it even if you release it on May 2nd at 30 FPS, but delay your game, seriously, and and I th- think there's a decent chance they will, if fan out- re- outrage is, is, is enough, and I don't normally like being this person who's, like, so demanding, but, like, this isn't even like because I personally am so upset about it. Like, oh, this affects me on a personal level. This is more just because it's like, dude, like there there needs to be some level of principle, some some kind of personal responsibility taken on behalf. You know, if if corporations and businesses are people and they have you know the right to free speech and First Amendment, and all this shit, uh, they should also do other human things like uh, like take personal responsibility and try not to be the worst version of themselves they can possibly be. Every fucking time. And so I'm just asking. Not not for you to go to the moon and back. Not for you to make Redfall into a game it isn't. I'm just asking. If you're going to put a first person shooter out there on the market. And then say hey it's a first party game. This is like us demonstrating. How awesome Xbox can be in 2023. On the world's most powerful console ever made. Can you at least make it like. Adhere to the bare minimum expectation. Of running at 60 FPS. Alright that's it. Alright next up let's talk about Halo. Because Halo's fucked forever. Um. <laughs> Goddamn, positive news. We need positive news. We'll talk about positive news on the next story. But this story is not positive. From VGC, Halo veteran Joseph Staten is leaving Microsoft. The Xbox maker has confirmed. His departure will mark the end of his second nine-year spell at Microsoft, where Staten recently served as head of creative on Halo Infinite at 343. Quote, We are grateful for Joseph's contributions to Halo uh, as a franchise and to Xbox as a whole, a Microsoft spokesperson said to IGN. We wish him all the best on his new adventure. Quote, "'Hey folks, I'm indeed leaving Microsoft,' Joe Staten said after the news broke. "'I'll have more to share soon, but for now, "'I'd just like to thank all my colleagues at Xbox for their understanding "'and and support as I embark on a new adventure.'" End quote. Staten was a Halo co-creator at Bungie uh, when Microsoft acquired the studio in 2000, and he served as a writer and cinematic director on the first two entries of the Xbox flagship shooter series, which eventually went on to run at 60 FPS. He was also a writer on Halo 3 and Halo Reach, and a creative consultant on the RTS spin-off Halo Wars, released in 2009. After Bungie split from Xbox or Microsoft in 2007, Joseph Staten worked as a writer and creative director on Halo 3 ODST, as a writer and co-creative director on Destiny, and then he returned to Microsoft in 2014 to work as a senior creative director at Xbox Game Publishing, um, which partners in which he partnered with indie studios to create Xbox franchises. He left the publishing division in 2020 to help 343 ship their troubled Halo Infinite game as head of creative for the studio, and then in January it was reported that he was going to leave 343 and rejoin Xbox Game Studios Publishing. My immediate guess is that Microsoft really pushed for him to stay at 343 and maybe help lead 343 or help just take on a bigger role, and he really didn't want to do that and there was created some kind of animosity or some kind of wedge between him and Xbox, perhaps. I I wonder if that is uh, potentially something that happened here. Or maybe what happened was he worked at 343 for three years and saw how insanely um, unequipped and poorly supported that studio was and what a, what a fucking bloodbath it was trying to get Halo Infinite into a... Finished state, and then to try and support it, and then see its fans just betray and, and and shit on the game as they tried their best with what they had, and Xbox mismanaged the whole project, and everything was a big old mess. Maybe after all of that, left a bad taste in his mouth, and he's and he went, wow, I uh, I really I I don't I don't want to be here, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's completely unrelated. I, we know Joe Sustain is a big airplane guy. Maybe he went on to find some job in the in the aviation industry or something. Maybe he, uh, maybe he's doing an early retirement. Maybe he's just taking some kind of sabbatical or something. Who, who knows? Many, many reasons why he could have left. We're not here to speculate on that. We're talking about an actual person and their personal decision to leave a company and leave a job behind. So all you can do is wish him the best and, you know, hope that all is well. You know, hope that he wasn't taken serious advantage of and that he doesn't feel like uh, he just got to have a bad relationship or anything like that because it's kind of hard to believe that maybe that isn't the case to be honest, but I don't want to speculate on it too much more other than to just say, yeah, we already knew this was bad for halo that he was leaving three for three. And now he's leaving Xbox as a whole. And that doesn't really bode well, but, um, yeah, Joe Staten is, is out. He's gone. I would love to know what that story is. I hope that one day he's willing to, to talk about it. You know, and we get to hear that story because I'm sure this guy has some insanely interesting insight. And, uh, we could learn a lot about how bad Xbox is fucking up by just hearing this guy say exactly what it is he experienced and witnessed and uh, and dealt with these past couple of years as Microsoft just uh, just absolutely obliterated and fucked the entire Halo franchise, uh, laid off the people responsible for making story content. So that that's great. They'll they'll go over well for their. 10 year Halo games as a service title. Um, but yeah, so wishing Joe all the best. Maybe he'll come back to Xbox one day. I don't know. Leave Xbox once and come back. Shame on you. Leave Xbox twice and come back, shame on me. You like how I reworded that? Makes no sense that way. I love it. But yeah, so all all the best to Joe Staden. Guy has such an incredible track record and, and has left such a big mark on so many great games. And has helped with so many projects. And, you know, not to shit on Halo Infinite, just to be clear, I like Halo Infinite. I think they did a really good job making lemonade out of dog shit. And I think that the game should have and could have been excellent if given the proper resources and not... Firing the fucking narrative campaign team and allowing them to eventually make the live service that they promised. I think Halo Infinite could have gone from a really great foundation to a really great game game one day, but instead we got um I don't know just a, a worse version of Halo Five I guess is what we have now, where it's a game that's just kind of begging for more content and it's gonna live and die by community made maps at this point. So shout out to Joe uh, Joe Staten. Good luck with whatever you do next. Rip Halo. Rip uh, Redfall. Uh, rip Xbox, let's be honest. PlayStation is just so much better. Quite honestly, if you guys are still playing Xbox, then you must be listening to Linkin Park and watching 2007's Transformers, directed by Michael Bay, starring Shia LaBeouf, because you're living in the past, and uh, we have moved on. It is the it is the world of PlayStation. Now we listen to whatever's popular in music, and we watch uh, movies like Glass Onion, and we and we play video games like... God of War because it's modern times and Xbox is frankly for babies and for Americans who are stupid and you're stupid. So Anyway, that brings us to our last story. The live-action Minecraft movie that we've all been dying to see. Alright, VGC. I wanted to bring this up so we could kind of talk about it in tandem with the Mario movie that just released, the Last of Us HBO TV show that just absolutely killed it, uh, the Halo TV show that was absolute dog shit, and the two Sonic movies that for whatever reason were pretty... Pretty good. You know, not amazing or anything, but pretty solid. Uh, Yeah, so from VGC, Warner Bros. has announced a new release date for their live-action Minecraft movie, which has been in the works for nearly a decade. The film, which is based on the Microsoft's own best-selling video game in the history, will now be released on April 4th, 2025, so about two years from now, according to Deadline. Jared Hess, who will be direct, who, or sorry, who directed Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre, will helm the movie, which will star Jason Momoa from Aquaman. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. First confirmed in 2014, the Minecraft movie's development has been held up for the past nine years uh, by a departure of multiple directors previously attached to the project. The film was originally supposed to be directed by Sean Levy uh, before he dropped out in 2014. Then he was replaced by Rob McElhenney. McElanie, I can never say her name right, in twenty fifteen, with Steve Carell set to star as the uh set to star and the release date of May twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. McElanie then left in twenty eighteen and was replaced in twenty nineteen with Peter Solette, uh, who did Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist, who was uh set not only to direct the film but completely rewrite the film from scratch. The film's release date was also changed to March 4th, 2022. Uh Solette was then dropped in twenty twenty two, at which point it was announced that Hess would be directing the with uh, with a uh, Momoa as a star. Quote, it turns out that making a live action full length feature film is actually really complicated, Mo Yang said in a blog post back in 2019 when Solette was confirmed to be taking over. Well, funny, funny, funny. This, they're still dealing with the same bullshit. So it, maybe it's not that making a, uh, a full length feature film is really complicated. Maybe it's that when you try to force. Uh, a square peg into a round hole. You 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 struggle because a live action Minecraft movie makes about as much sense as a as a rom com sequel to the 2004 hit animated feature film Shark Tale from DreamWorks Pictures. Um, I, I I don't know what to say here, guys. So I listen. I'm optimistic. Let me put it like this. I already listed the movies at the top. I just watched the Mario movie this past weekend. Uh, I I, I got to be honest. I think. The movie was entirely fine. It wasn't particularly, I don't think it was particularly great. I don't think it was particularly bad, which I think is high praise considering um, it's made by Illumination, which is like the worst animation studio in the history of visual anything you could look at and listen to at the same time. I don't know. They just, Minions, Minions, Sing One, Sing Two, Pets. Do I need to say anything else? Please, but no. Mario movie was completely fine. The animation's beautiful. Uh, the performances were pretty solid. Uh, lots of fun, fan servicey throwbacks and references. Um, I thought it was a pretty fun time. I enjoyed my ninety minutes watching Chris Pratt pretend to be Mario and. I really had no qualms about it. It wasn't particularly great. I'm not left thinking about the movie. I would. I don't think I would ever watch the movie again. It's not like anything I'm, I'm clamoring to see again, but it was fun. I think it'll be a great movie for kids. I think kids will love it, and rightfully so. Uh, I think parents will have a fine time taking their kids to this movie. Uh, parents who grew up with Mario might even enjoy the movie themselves. It's completely serviceable. Good job, Nintendo. Good job, Comcast and Illuminations and everyone involved. Good job. Um, the Last of Us on HBO, I have not watched it myself, but it seems like uh, the show did exactly what it set out to do. It legitimized video game storytelling in TV or movies by being just fucking incredible, apparently. And everyone loves it. I have I've, so many people I know who don't play video games who are talking about The Last of Us because the show is supposedly so great awesome, man, that's so cool, and like I said, even those Sonic movies, I actually think those Sonic movies are better than the Mario movie, and that's not just because I'm a Sonic bitch, I think it's because Sonic movies are genuinely pretty, pretty fun, Um, they're not perfect by any means, but they're, they're not bad, they're pretty decent, and that's considering the fact that the Sonic movie should have been animated like the Mario movie was, but for some reason they did live-action CG, um, and it still turned out pretty good, um, but that brings us to Halo, and here's the thing is, Microsoft, trying to get into TV, Nintendo's done it, Sega's done it, Sony's done it, Microsoft, can I trust that you can do it, can I trust you, because you fucked up with the Halo TV show, in fact, I watched that first episode of the Halo show, and I tried to be optimistic, I was like, it's different, I kind of like things about it, I I have my reservations about some other things, but it's okay, but the more and more that show went on, the more I grew to resent that, Let let me be perfectly clear about this, the Halo TV show on Paramount Plus is absolute dog shit, it is a terrible TV show, the more I think about that show, like the more I sit with it now that I've watched it, it's been a year. I hate that show. That show. That show scarred me. That show's a bad. That show is a bad thing to have happened. Like humanity is worse off because the Halo TV show exists. Let me put it that way. So fuck that show. And now I worry. I, I worry because Nintendo and Illuminations proved that they could do a Mario movie. Um, HBO and Sony proved that they could do a Last of Us show. S- uh, freaking Paramount and. Uh, and Sega proved that they could do a Sonic movie, but do I trust the guy that made Nacho Libre starring Jack Black uh, is going to take Jason Momoa from Aquaman and make a good live-action Minecraft movie? First of all, back up a fucking second. What the hell is a live-action Minecraft movie? The whole world of Minecraft is blocky pixel art in 3D format. So, clearly, Minecraft should be a 3D animated feature film. What? Ugh. Ooh, this is-, this is exactly what happened when they announced the Sonic movie, where I was like, why? Why would this not be an animated movie? But this is actually worse than that, because at least with Sonic, it's like, okay, we're going to put Sonic in the real world. What are you doing with Minecraft? Are you put? Is the story going to be like, uh, Minecraft guy Steve went into the nether, and I still don't know what that means, and fell through the other side and ended up in Manhattan, New York. Oh, boy. Now Steve from Minecraft has to fight uh, the... Uh, what's the bad guy called? The bad thing called uh, in Minecraft? The little green things? Has to fight uh, the the nether thing in, in, in Manhattan with the help of his human friend, Chad. Well, like... Rebuild. Can they save Manhattan block by block, dude? Just make the Lego movie, but but with but with but with Minecraft. That's all you gotta do. the the, the whole The foundation's been laid, dude. WB did it, and that's the well, actually that's the worst thing. WB is attached to this. What the fuck is happening? WB is working with Microsoft on this movie, or with or with Mo Yang on this movie. What the hell, WB? You just you made good Lego movies. Just do it again with Minecraft, dude. Just make more Lego movies. Oh my god, this is this is not. This is like mind blowing. It's like, what is a live action? A terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. You could do two D, two D hand drawn. You could do three D animation. But sure, I guess I guess you could also do live action. So let's just get a fucking live action Minecraft movie. I don't know. I I, what, I guess one, maybe I will say one thing on the Mario movie. I hate that Hollywood has to try and justify these ridiculous video game universes by trying to ground them in a world we are familiar with. Doesn't need to happen. Nobody needs Mario's existence to be validated and and looped into New York City. The beginning of the Mario movie, spoiler, the beginning of the Mario movie takes place in New York. Mario's from New York. He's from Brooklyn, New York with his brother Luigi and they eat the Mamma Mia's pizza. And they go to the Mushroom Kingdom. Sonic movie. Sonic is just this guy from another dimension who ends up in Montana and hangs out with his buddy cop slash dad figure. Why do we have to try and legitimize these cartoons by giving them these real situations? Listen, Sonic can just be in Emerald Hill. It, it, Sonic can just be in Green Hill Zone. It do, it doesn't matter. It's okay. We don't need to justify why he's there. Mario can just be in the Mushroom Kingdom. We don't need it, We don't need to make a whole thing out of it. You know. The Last of Us isn't, like, three episodes of 20 years before the outbreak, and then they go to the outbreak. It's just like, listen, man, we get it. It's a world where zombies exist. You don't need to explain... Thank God the Halo show isn't, like, four episodes of, like, the American Civil War leading up to the the, the, the 2250s where Halo takes place or some shit like that. Although I guess they do linger too much on Master Chief's youth and his parents. Uh, But nonetheless... I just I, I I don't know how you do live action Minecraft without it being oh yeah he's a he's a he's a, he's a, he's a Minecraft out of water story you know when Steve the Roblox ends up in in Flint Michigan um, and is unable to drink the water because the U.S. government uh, doesn't give a shit uh, how will he ever swim his way back to the to the Roblox universe he, he calls home. And the only thing I can think of is the reason why they keep choosing live action. The reason why they keep choosing the shit is because it's lazy. It's easy and it's cheaper. It's just cheaper. Like let's just, let's just superimpose a 3d animated Roblox Minecraft character onto a real life film location that we can just fucking green screen it or, or just go rent out Chicago for the day and film Minecraft on the streets or whatever. And then we'll make it work, whatever. Um, I, I guess, but it's weird because it's like this premise sounds so bad, and this movie's clearly in development hell, and it's not coming together because maybe it's just a terrible idea for a movie. And having Jason Momoa as the star sounds terrible, and having the guy that directed Nacho Libre and Napoleon Dynamite actually sounds fine. actually sounds pretty fitting. Um doesn't sound like a bad fit at all. But... Uh, Mario kinda did it, Sonic kinda did it, Last of Us absolutely did it. Let's keep the trend going. Okay. I'm I'm championing. I'm trying to will into existence. Minecraft the movie. Let's make it good. Let's make it happen. Don't don't give us another Halo TV show. Please, for the love of God. We already had to endure season two of that shit. Please, Minecraft. It can be fun. Minecraft could be fun. I I, I genuinely do think you could make a fun Minecraft movie. I'm not trying to be a hater. Again, I like the Sonic movies. I thought the Mario movie was completely enjoyable to watch one time. You can do a good Minecraft movie. Xbox, this is your Sonic. This is your Mario is Minecraft. That's what you have. That's what your kid-friendly property is. Come on. Put it in the right hands. WB, what the fuck are you doing not making it an animated movie? Let's get it right. All right, that's going to do it for all of our news this week, you guys. Just a bunch of negativity, but it doesn't all be negativity because we can go into the... Important enough news, stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to work their own discussions, which we will rattle these off. And then we'll get into the comments, But we'll be quite positive, because we don't want to talk about Xbox trying to sell you a game that's not ready to be released yet, or trying to make Steve in the live-action sense of the word, and, and all these really creepy things. Um, we can just talk about our actual feelings, food we've actually been eating, um, our thoughts and feelings on the economy, I guess, if that's what you want to bring up. I don't really have any interest in doing that. Um, but, you know, listen, I love Xbox. I played I played my Xbox all weekend. I'm going to play my Xbox this weekend. I love it. I'm really excited to get into uh, Ghostwire Tokyo. I really, truly am. I'm not trying to be a hater, but I'm also not going to just blindly shovel bullshit to this audience and be like, hey, guys, Xbox on here. Wow, 30 FPS. It's so great that they're going to give us 30 FPS now, and then they're going to give us another 30 FPS down the road. That's awesome. That's going to be a total of 60 FPS. Guys, I'm just so excited to get my second my second uh, drop of thirty FPS, my 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 supply drop of thirty additional FPS uh, when I play Redfall, uh, and it gets its update in September of twenty twenty three. It's just just gonna be phenomenal. What what is even the point of that? Also, just a side note, it's a single player game. I mean, it's, well, it's a co it's a co op game, but it's a it's a narrative. It's 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 a story. From my understanding, Redfall isn't meant to be played for 10 years. It's not Destiny. So, you know, like, Destiny used to not run at 60 FPS on console um, because it came out in 2014 for the Xbox One, and then they made it run at 60 FPS on console in 2020 when it came to Xbox Series X, and so, like, that makes sense. But, like, Redfall is a game that 99% of people are going to play one time and beat one time. Actually, most people are not even going to beat the game. So why would you give me... Knowing that the majority of the people who are ever going to play Redfall are going to play it when it fucking comes out within the first couple weeks, wh- why would you Why would you hold back the 60 FPS update? Why would you wait until the majority of people who are ever going to play your game have already played your game in order to give them the experience that they expected from the start? That just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, so, dumb, stupid, and lazy. And also... So... Important enough news stories, important enough to make the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. First up, Windows Central relays that QuakeCon, the annual ZeniMax-hosted event uh, since 1996, is is going to take place again this year for the first time since 2019. Uh, so it's coming back following many years of absence due to the pandemic and all that shit. Uh, but yeah, QuakeCon 23 is officially confirmed. It's an in-person event. and will be held August 10th through 13th. And uh, the physical event will primarily be a land party, while the online programming will be held for different news-related events as the year has passed. So look forward to some news there. Next up, VGC relays that Microsoft has today or has this week launched a uh, PC for game a PC Game Pass in 40 new countries, which are which include countries uh, like Bolivia, Egypt, Guatemala, Morocco, Peru, Romania, Ukraine. Plenty of places getting Game Pass on PC, so shout out to them. That's awesome. More people get to enjoy this awesome service. Um, my recommendation to you, don't play Redfall until it's got your other 30 FPS because you deserve more than 30, baby. Uh, all right. Next up, VGC reports, Microsoft has detailed April's uh, the April system update for Xbox. Headlining this month's update, with uh, which will start rolling out over the next week, are a refreshed Xbox search experience and an adjusted app... Active hour power setting for the console. The updated console search page includes a new look, gallery style results, visible filter categories for navigating with LB and RB buttons, and an option to search YouTube within the movies and TV tab. That's actually a really good feature. I I appreciate that. The system update will also let players select uh, additional options for sleep power option on Xbox and configure the console's active hours, which are automatically set to always active unless changed. Alright, next up, VGC reports Resident Evil 4 remake has sold 4 million copies in its first two weeks, Capcom has said. The new sales figures in an updated uh the new sales figures in an update on Capcom's previous statement uh, said that the game had sold three million units in its first two days. Capcom has cited a positive reception among game players as the reason for the game's healthy sales growth. Next up, and lastly. BGC relays that Phil Harrison, former boss of Google's now defunct cloud uh, gaming service Google Stadia, has left the company. Just wanted to put this in as a funny. According to Business Insider, uh, citing two Google employees with knowledge on the matter, the VP has departed the company in January at roughly the same time Google kicked or killed uh, its long-suffering cloud service, which Harrison fronted. Announcing the Stadia closure plans in September of last year, Platform General Manager Harrison admitted that the game service hadn't gained traction with users that Google expected following November 2019's launch. Oh, wow. It failed even during a time when gaming grew like crazy in 2020. That's crazy. Uh, Keep in mind, Phil Harrison is a guy who was at Xbox during the worst years, during PlayStation's worst years. He was at PlayStation. He just kinda comes to businesses, fucks things up, and then leaves. So he was there during like the rough PS3 years at PlayStation. He was at Xbox during the rough Xbox One years. Just not 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 a really I don't know why you'd hire him for anything video game related. He's probably not a good fit. But uh guys, that's it for all of our news this week. Let's uh let's wind down. Take a sip of your wine, take a drag of your marijuana if you live in a state where it's legal. Take a long drag from your e-cigarette, but keep in mind it's probably burning the fuck out of your lungs. That's what they say anyway. Why don't you just, if you're like me, probably crunch, munch into uh, a Pringle or some dark chocolate, perhaps. Do something indulgent. Anyway, let's read our comments. The best part of the show. You know how it works. You head on over to YouTube.com slash XboxOnPodcast. This is YouTube.com at XboxOnPodcast. Click on the latest episode. But first, you better fucking subscribe. If you don't subscribe, I'll come to your house in the middle of the night. I will shit in your toilet And not have the audacity to flush and or put the toilet seat back down. And that will be not very great for you. All right, you can leave any kind of comment you want. You can be nice, you can be mean, you can be somewhere in between. You can say something sweet like, three rings are red, ponies are blue. The news is from VGC, but I heard it from you. Uh, Or you can be like our first time commenter who wrote in this week. Typical TJ, who says, Hey Jesse, huge fan, been listening since episode 50. And thought that I'd finally just say hi. I want to say E3 was a huge part of my childhood. I used to watch it every summer at my grandparents on Disney XD, shout out to Disney XD, where they broadcast it live. My favorite year was uh, when they were talking about Anthem and how immersive it was. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen at age 12 years old. And uh, and I was just starting to understand video games. Oh, and keep up the amazing work. Well, typical TJ. thank you for writing in. Thank you so much for writing in. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the support, uh, knowing you've been listening for 150 episodes, 150 plus episodes. It's crazy, man. It's, I, I greatly, greatly appreciate your support, and uh, thank you for writing in. Yeah, man, E3 will be sorely missed. It's cool. It's uh, judging by just the mathematics of, of your comment. It sounds like you're a little bit younger than me, which is is super cool because it just shows how that, that E3 thing, man. I mean, E3 started in 95. That was the year I was born. <laughs> E3 started in 95 and has just been, well, I mean, that's kind of when it was part of CS and all that shit. But anyway, well, that's when it broke off from CS. Regardless, it's just that the event's been going on for so long. It's, it's, it has a long history. It was almost 30 years old. Um, and so many people have experiences with it, people from different generations, different... Different eras of, of gaming and such, and it's cool that like it impacted so many people in so many ways. Like I I remember E3 most fondly from watching it on G4 in the summers, you know, in the early and mid 2000s. And you remember watching it on Disney XD. I didn't even know E3 was shown on Disney XD. That's crazy. Is that like from back when back in the day when IGN had a uh, a Disney XD show? What the hell was that about? Is uh, is that still there? That's that's gotta be gone. I'm sure it's gone, but. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool to see how it just connected with so many people through so many different times. Um, yeah, I, I'm guessing that year they talked about Anthem. What was that, 2017? Maybe 2016? I think it was 2017 we're talking about. So yeah, it's, it's it's cool stuff, man. It's cool that um, it was this event that just kind of brought everyone together and hyped everyone up and gave everyone something to look forward to. And it's definitely sad that it's gone. But the good thing is the games are still here. Consoles are still here. The ways we play, engage, all that is still here. Um, we still have really fun events where we get cool news and things like that. So we will find different ways to be excited and to thrive and move on and consume our information. It's just uh, that vestige, that era of E3 is is no more. But typical TJ. Thank you so much for writing in and supporting the show. I appreciate you, and I hope you have a great day. Uh, oh, also, Ad- Adamses says, Yo, yo, greetings from Germany. Well, hello from the us of a good to hear from you good to see you thank you for writing in god bless all right let's talk about vr josiah josiah i love when people say josiah uh kronky my brother Cronky, has written in and says i have a res i have to respectfully what's respect what is that i have to respectfully disagree on the vr thing and motion cr- controls and all these gimmicks I hate I hate these options for serious gaming, quote-unquote serious gaming. I want to sit down with a controller, keyboard, mouse. I want to play something and get engaged. I don't want to move around, swing my arms, wear a giant face mask, etc. It just pulls me out of the experience. I'm glad Xbox is largely refrained from these other than Kinect, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I largely... It's it's weird. I'm of two minds because on the one hand, I think... Xbox has needed to stay focused and stay away from these things because they kind of suck at output when it comes to their their games or have for a while. Um, but on the other hand, it's like I admire the part of Xbox that has stayed focused. So I'm like, hey, no, we focus on high-quality AAA console gaming experiences. We don't do that other stuff. For the most part, they've stayed pretty keyed in on that shit, and I think they've done a good job. And, and I agree. I, I, I admire and I like that about Xbox. It's one of the things I really genuinely love about this brand. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know, I... I, I I look fondly on like the Wii and the Wii U and and uh, PlayStation Move and PlayStation VR and all these things. I think it's cool. I think it's that PlayStation had some handhelds and Nintendo's obviously more handheld oriented and all these things. It's like part of me kind of wishes Xbox would get in, involved in those kinds of things to some extent, but at the same time, I think you're also right that Xbox is good at doing what they're doing. They need to stay stay the path and um, focus on getting even better at what they do, rather than distracting themselves with things that may or may not add you know other other avenues of, of play, other inputs and in, in, in hardware and things like that. Uh, did Captain James also wrote in on the matter and said, I honestly believe that we're still about 10 to 20 years too early for VR. I think it's a viable platform, but the technology is still further away. The prices and the cables uh, are all what's holding it back, not to mention the inherent sickness that the vast majority of people feel when playing. That's a good point. I, I don't feel the sickness, so I always forget about that, because I know motion sickness is a thing, I just have never experienced it in VR. But I, I do agree that a really good VR headset costs a lot of money and that the cable management is an issue, especially on platforms like PlayStation and stuff. But it's kind of hard to at the same time to say that VR is still 10 to 20 years away when Facebook has proven it with 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 the Oculus Quest. I refuse to call it meta with the Oculus Quest because, yeah, obviously it's way more just bare bones and simplistic in what it is and what its technology is, but like I'm, I'm, I'm here right here, like I got my Oculus, I'm holding it I'm looking at it, this thing's great all the technology is in this one little headset it's about as light as it can be it's not super, it's not super light super duper light or anything, but it's also not terribly heavy, it's a really good weight for what it is I fucking love the Oculus Quest too I think it's a great piece of kit and it's super affordable uh, or at least it was, it's, it's less affordable, but still pretty affordable I just feel like VR is actually in a good spot in terms of where the technology's at. I feel like the problem is, like with PlayStation, they're so focused on trying to make it powerful that they add unnecessary components to it, make it more expensive than it needs to be. And then with companies like Oculus or Facebook, they don't have the true support and backing of really good developers who really know what they're doing to make it viable and really legitimate. Because I feel like the problem with the Quest is that there just aren't enough really compelling games. There's a lot of cool experiences. There's just not a lot of great games. Um, And then conversely, it's like a PlayStation. It's like, I just feel like you're not going to build an install base by requiring a $500 thing to go with your $500 console and have these cables and all this shit. Like you were saying, it's just that stuff's just, No one wants to deal with that, they want the simple pick up and play thing. I also think it's just harder to market VR because it's this thing where you put the headset on and only you can see it, it's just hard to kind of demonstrate what that looks like. You know, I can show you what Call of Duty looks like because the thing that you see in the trailers is what I see when I'm playing the game. It's hard to show you VR because in a trailer, it doesn't really encapsulate the whole immersive, isolated experience of having a headset on and having this screen that only you can experience. So it's a little harder to market. So I think that's also part of the hurdle, but, yeah it's weird because VR has been available in this kind of mainstream way for about a decade now I feel like the original oculus rift and all that stuff started coming out. what was that like 2014 2015 so it's been almost a decade now and we just really like there was a boom period for a little bit but then it just kind of stagnated and we never really went beyond that So maybe there's a little uh, maybe there's a lot of truth to what you're saying did Captain James because VR doesn't seem to be growing um, it seems like more headsets fail than not. But I don't know. Just the the quest gives me so much, so much hope for what VR can be and where, you know, where it's come. I just feel like it's really more a matter of marketing and having the right software and not so much the hardware itself. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But thank you for writing in nonetheless. All right, let's wrap it up. We got a couple more comments here. Um, so Mr. Mal wrote in uh, saying congratulations on episode 201. He says congrats on episode 201, Jesse. Or on 201 episodes, Jesse. This makes me want to go to Taco Bell tomorrow. Also, I discovered that Taco Bell has regular fries in other countries, and you can even order a Fries Supreme instead of Nacho Supreme, sir. Sir, clearly you're not following us on Twitch.tv/LightningExtreme because we've we've looked over the international Taco Bell menus extensively on stream before. So, duh, of course, who didn't know that? Duh, they have regular fries in Australia and stuff like that. Fucking duh, duh. But thank you, yes, 201 episodes, it was uh, quite an accomplishment, thank you very much. You will, sir. Let's talk about the Xbox Elite controller. OG Man writes in and says, Jesse, apologies if I double post a comment here, but first, I recently bought the Series Elite 2 controller, the Core controller, and I highly recommend it if you're on the fence. I bought the Core with a three-year warranty and just got the paddles on Amazon for 10 bucks. since it's cheaper, plus you get the reassurance. I did not know you could do that, it's a very good little hack or tip, I appreciate that, man. Uh, Second, I had the $5 craving box last night at Taco Bell, Crunchwrap Supreme, beefy five-layer burrito, Fiesta potatoes, Baja Blast, and about 20 fire sauces. And then you do the okay emoji, like, so good. Lastly, I went back and looked at the first comment, and that was on episode 50. To see where you are now, 200-plus episodes is just cool, And and to see the community you've created. Keep it up. Well, I appreciate it, man. Another person who's been listening for over 150 weeks, and I I appreciate you so much, OG, man. You've been here a long time. I recognize the name. I recognize you. It's been fun getting to chat with you um, through various platforms and stuff over the years, and uh, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate the support a lot. Hope you really enjoyed your Taco Bell. That order sounds phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, that's a great tip on the Series 2 Elite Controller. It's just I go through phases where I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to buy an Elite Controller, and then I'm like, no, because I'm not very good at any game. So why would I need, like, an Elite Pro controller when I'm, I, I'm not even, like, I'm not an Elite Pro at any game? It just doesn't make sense. But I'm so curious to have them for thir- enthusiast purposes. So, uh, waiting for a Series 3 controller because I'm like, I feel like the second I buy a Series 2 is when they announce a Series 3. But uh, decisions, decisions, decisions. You're not making it easier, but that's a good little it's a good little tip there about Amazon and the paddles on online. All right, let's talk about Lionhead real quick. Kronki writes in, just a little uh, memory of him, and says, you, remember, you mentioned Lionhead at the opening of last week's show. Gosh darn, I miss Lionhead. I want that studio back. They just had this fun, cartoony flavor that was so unique and delightful. Zero games about fathers with dead children. Yes. Shout out to Lionhead. Rest in peace. And last up, our final comment of the week, forever and always, Mr. Headhunting Halo writes in and says, I hope you had a, had a happy Easter. First things first, speak louder. I can barely hear you unless you're going deaf. Unless I'm going deaf. Is that loud enough for you, headhunting Halo? Okay. Second, OMG, the Mario movie was everything it should have been. Honestly, the best video game movie ever. I loved every minute of it. Everything was so damn good. I can't wait to own it. So many Easter eggs. No pun intended. If you watch, there's two post-credit scenes. One in the very middle and one at the very end after it all. Peaches, heart emoji. Also bought Resident Evil 4. Nothing really major going on since Resident Evil. Also on top, Also, as a top fan listening since day one, I think you owe me a little something-something. Wait a minute. You've been listening since day one, Headhunting Halo? You've been listening since June, whatever the fuck it was, 2019? You've been listening since June 2019? For real? Headhunting Halo? Is this true? Can you prove this? Is there something provable here? Uh, Anyway, thank you for writing in. Headhunting Halo, you know I love you. That's why I always save your comment for last, because I want to end on the sweet note. We put your comment last, the same reason dessert comes after your entree, because you want to end your meal on something sweet and your little sweet song that I want to end on. You know what I'm saying, buddy? Uh, But no, also... Hey, hope you had a great Easter. Hope you and your family had a great day. Glad you really liked the Mario movie, man. That was great. The Peaches song is very fun. I'll leave it at that because I don't want to spoil anything for nobody. But yes, there are two post-credit scenes as with every movie. You got to stay till the very end, right where it says Mario will return in Avengers Endgame so that we can all be ready for the next Mario movie. But yeah, it was, it was a fun time. It was a fun movie. I'm glad you liked it. Um, Resident Evil 4, you said there's nothing really going on. It's just Resident Evil. Baby, that's all I need. I never played Resident Evil 4, so to me, it's all going to be brand new. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad you enjoyed your movie. I hope you had a wonderful Easter, and I appreciate your support, man. For real, I do. I appreciate you so much, and I appreciate all you guys for listening. Because uh, honestly, I'm going crazy just talking to myself sometimes, and then and then these comments come through. I'm like, holy shit, there's other people on the on, on the other side of this, and it's it's kind of worth doing. So, greatly appreciate you guys as always. And uh, if you know if you feel so inclined to, feel free to leave a review on your on your podcast service of choice but even if you don't do that I don't care man just I just appreciate you being here and and making this show a possibility by uh by listening and commenting and just being a part of this uh little ecosystem we got there's a little community I actually don't know if this show is plateauing shrinking or growing in audience size right now I haven't checked metrics in a while because I'm just nervous to do so but uh man I just I I just try to stay grateful every 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 day For this for this little community we built, because I really do love I love doing Xbox on. I cannot believe we're at episode 200. It's kind of scary because it's like at the it's at the legitimate point, because when I think about like all the podcasts I started listening to that got me like so interested in podcasts, you know, like all the IGN shows like back in the day, listening to like beyond back when Colin and Greg were on and listening to uh, Nintendo voice chat back when Jose Otero was there and all those all those things. Uh, podcast unlocked, of course. Ryan McCaffrey still kicking it. Awesome show. I really loved it, especially back in the day. But yeah, I just like, I think about those days. It's like those podcasts were like episode 200, episode 300. So to think that now my podcast is in that range, I'm just like, holy fucking shit, man. I was like, where is the time gone? I'm going to like turn around. And my grandchild's going to be behind me. I'm going to forget that I even never got married and had regular kids to begin with. It's just, I feel like time is just flying by. Things are growing, things are maturing. And uh, the only thing that stays the same is my elevated heart rate. So thank you all so much for your uh, support and thank you for being here today. Hope you have a wonderful week. Until next week, take care of yourselves. Take care of those you love, eat delicious food and play fun video games. But most importantly, power your dreams.